0: What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast. The podcast for the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey and hockey reunions. It's gonna be a sweet episode as we go over revenge week for the Golden Knights, as well as, of course, as always, the latest injury news with this team because it never stops. Uh, I am Ben Goetz, one of your Review Journal Golden Knights beat writers, joined, as always, by my good colleague, David Shane. Dave? Dave? How are you hanging this Thursday morning?
1: I'm doing all right. Happy New Year to you and uh, all the listeners as well. I don't think we've had a chance to uh,
0: to say that to them yet. This is true. This is our first podcast of 2022. So uh, thanks everyone who stuck with us for 2021 and s- decided to stick around for another year. We really, really appreciate you guys. We're uh, excited as always to keep talking hockey and t- talking uh, Golden Knights especially because there's just so much to get to as I said on today's show between uh, all the reunions uh, a first NHL start didn't even mention that off the top that we're gonna have to get to um, and like I said a lot of newsy stuff that we'll save for the end um, before we dive in just want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal please check out all our written work At ReviewJournal.com, if you want all the newsy stuff that we're going to talk about uh, right away when it happens, uh, just check our website because you'll be up to date on everything Golden Knights. Uh, We are also presented uh, by Blue Wire. Uh, So, all right, as we termed it uh, last episode, we are in the middle of Revenge Week here in Las Vegas. We had Nate Schmidt and Paul Stasny come back to T-Mobile Arena on Sunday with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, if you want to call it that Nick Cousins, former Golden Knight, was back uh, on Tuesday with the Nashville Predators. Tonight, Gerard Gallant and Ryan Reeves are going to be in town. And, of course, Saturday is the return of Marc-Andre Fleury. He exited the NHL's COVID-19 protocol and started on Tuesday. So he should be good to go. Um, we'll go chronologically with Schmidt and Stasny starting on Sunday. Uh, the Knights obviously weren't happy because they lost five, four in overtime. and what was also a Laurent Brassois revenge game in which he got hurt, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, but, uh, for me, Dave, just kind of taking in the atmosphere and game, uh, it was still really cool for me, at least to see the connection that Schmidt still has with the fans here. I mean, he went to both sides of the rink during warmups to give pucks away, uh, He stayed a little extra at his post-game press conference before, you know, the Winnipeg Jets PR guy said like, hey, he's got to mingle. He's got to meet a bunch of people. Uh, He had a nice Instagram post, I believe, afterward. He was just like clearly like so happy to be back in Las Vegas, to be reconnecting with these fans. And obviously it wasn't his choice uh, to leave the Knights. That was the team's choice to trade him so they could free up salary cap space to uh, sign Alex Petrangelo. But for me at least, it was cool to see the kind of bond that he made here uh was still there. What what were your kind of takeaways taking that all in on
1: Sunday? Yeah, similar. Yeah, I mean I think it's hard, you know I think what we'll see tonight with the Rangers and, and Ryan Reeves is a little is a little different because it's uh how do I say this? Like it's more tangible. You know, you can see Ryan Reeves flying around and like trying to hit people. It's a little harder to like kind of you know appreciate Nate Schmidt in the middle of the play like you know making a breakout pass you know or something like that uh, like in a weird way it was kind of cool that Stasny scored um, had the go-ahead goal and it it you know maybe nearly or could have held up as the game winner there was kind of a kind of almost like a weird murmur reaction you know like like there was a few people calling oh Stasny Stasny you know like okay when when the goal was announced so I, you know on the one hand like I feel like the Knights and we're all kind of used to this, you know, whether it's from the last couple of years, Knights playing against their former team or, you know, the last, you know, couple of years, we're starting to see it more now where, you know, ex Knights are coming back. We saw that against the Predators, there was somebody in the crowd that had a half Golden Knights, half Predators, James Neal jersey, which I kind of got a kick out of. But, but yeah, I think, you know, the, the thing with Schmidt, I think was, was everybody kind of got their chance to, give their appreciation, you know, during warmups, like you said, he's handing out pucks and everybody's kind of banging on the glass, trying to get his attention. You could see him kind of, you know, looking around almost like he was waiting for for a couple of the nights. So I come over and, you know, maybe tap his shin pad or chat with him for a second or something like that. So yeah, it was very obvious how excited he was to be back. It was, it was obvious that the fans, you know, enjoyed it too, but you know, it was just a little, a little more subtle, a little, a little different than I think we'll see, you know, these next upcoming games with with guys who, you know, maybe a little more noticeable, I guess, on the ice. Not nothing against Nate Schmidt, but just, you know, obviously Mark Andre Fleur is gonna be in the crease and Ryan Reeves is gonna get his, you know, seven or eight minutes to go, you know, get his six hits or something like that. But, you know, Nate Schmidt played very well and and good on him. He he seems like he's got everything, you know, on the right track up in Winnipeg after uh, you know, last couple of years that were pretty tough for him. Yeah,
0: definitely last year in Vancouver it did not go the way that anyone wanted, both for him and for the team. And Winnipeg seems to be doing well. He seems to be doing much better. Um, He's even kind of mentoring a younger partner now in Logan Stanley. But, yeah, as you mentioned, now we move on to a game tonight where uh, the player who is returning is uh, not known for his subtlety or for his kind of quiet approach or whatever. Because, yeah, it's uh, Ryan Reeves, Gerard Glant. Uh, The Rangers have actually been super impressive so far with a uh, 22-8-4 record that's tied for the top of the Metropolitan Division with the Washington Capitals. Uh, This coming after they were fifth in their division uh, by 11 points. They are 11 points behind the fourth place team last year. So, uh, Glant, just like he wasn't a turnaround with the Knights, but certainly he's impressing in his first year with the organization. Um, I mean, are you surprised at all? in his, you know, next job after leaving Las Vegas that, you know, he's having this big of an immediate impact, Dave.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. So I, I, one of the questions that I asked him yesterday after their practice was, you know, whether he was able to kind of reflect on his time with the Knights or just during that time off and, you know, anything that he kind of, you know, maybe wanted to do differently with his next job or anything like that. He kind of, he kind of looked at me and he laughed and he said, I'm too old to change, (laughs) which I, which I thought was kind of funny, but you know, it was, it was interesting to like watch their practice. And it was like, I mean, it was a flashback to a few years ago, you know, the way that they did the line rushes, you know, some of the drills and everything like that. It was, it was almost exactly the same, you know, as, as the way things were run with the Knights. But, you know, look, here's the other thing too, like can coach. Um, I mean, this was a team, the Rangers that were kind of struggling a little bit, you know, a couple of years ago, they had their big, you know, public announcement they were going through a rebuild and they they kind of did that, had a couple high draft picks, got Panarin, all those sorts of things. But, you know, they were sort of, you know, stuck in, in neutral a little bit under David Quinn and just weren't quite getting over that hump. And I know we're, you know, what, 34 games into the season for the Rangers. But so far, you know, everything that Jar Gallant seems to, you know, have done has worked. You can kind of hear. You know, a lot of the quotes coming out of the Rangers locker room about, you know, the team chemistry and, and, you know, sort of their understanding of the systems, just how everybody seems to be, you know, on the same page, pulling in the same direction, all those sorts of things. And, And yeah, I do think that's a reflection of Jar Glant, his coaching and, you know, the way that he's come in and quickly brought that team together. Yeah, it is does feel like so
0: similar to what he did with the Golden Knights where, you know, whatever you obviously want to say about um, the team and how they played. And obviously the first year was phenomenal, but I mean, his biggest accomplishment, as you kind of said, was getting all these guys from all these different organizations that have all these kind of different backgrounds um, to immediately gel and uh, move forward in the same direction. And even though it took that inaugural season team kind of a while to figure out, you know, like, hey, what are our ideal line combinations? I mean, if you look at uh, the Knights' first lineup compared to what they kind of went into the playoffs with, uh, it was drastically different. So it took him a while to kind of get some of the, like, kind of on-ice, you know, pairings and matchups, right? But the chemistry part that he was able to kind of develop and foster and the culture that he brought uh, definitely took root right away, and it seems like he's having a similar impact uh, in New York. Um, But I know, as you said, you talked to Gerard Collant yesterday, Dave. I know you also talked to uh, Ryan Reeves, of course. Uh, So, you know, obviously some people will be listening to this after the game happens tonight. But uh, for those that might be listening to it early, uh, (laughs) what do you think Ryan Reeves' game plan is, Dave? How likely is he to, uh, you know, potentially start some fireworks tonight and and does he have a
1: hit list of people he's going to go after (laughs) so so you know it's funny so like some of those questions were actually asked to him and he was kind of like basically like well yeah who's gonna who's gonna take me on (laughs) almost like like yeah if they want it you know sure they can have it but you know it was it was just kind of funny because you know i remember when we were talking about this last week and you used that wrestling heel term and that was something that i actually literally asked him about is he just going to kind of come in like a wrestling heel and he sort of laughed and was like, "Oh, well, you know, maybe." I mean, he said he's used to being the villain most of the time. Uh he's used to being booed. So the one thing he did say similar to, you know, what he had said before, uh when uh our writer Adam Hill was back in uh, New York, he wants to get booed. He wants to he wants to smash somebody. Um so we'll see if he goes after, you know, I don't know, Jonathan Marcheso, I can I would love to have those two mic'd up and like be standing where Shane Knighty stands, you know, between the benches and listen to the chirping going back and forth between those two, because like, it's going to be, it's going to be epic. Like those two have to have so much saved up for each other that, that if they're just going to let it all out. I'm, I'm sure. Oh, it would be just so incredible. I mean, um, obviously, like I said, this is last
0: minute, but NHL, if for some reason you were listening, we will pay obscene amounts of money for that raw audio. Because, I mean, even, obviously, like, in the bubble that we were there, I mean, the reports from people that were in the bubble, and, I mean, frankly, we could just hear it on the broadcast, too, was, like, the two loudest people on the Golden Knights bench were Ryan Reeves, Jonathan Marchessault. Like, hundreds and hundreds of feet below was everyone else. I mean, it's just... Those two guys were still vocal. I mean, Jonathan Marsh obviously still loves chirping guys. In practice, Ryan Reeves loves going after opponents. So I really hope that they're just leading over the benches tonight, uh, sniping at each other, because that would just be beautiful. And uh, I am excited to see what Ryan Reeves ends up doing. Uh, Obviously, he was a a fan favorite here, and I think the inclination of most people in Las Vegas will be to cheer him for all they did for the team. And I mean, in the community, I mean, I think more than obviously a lot of players, he really, really tried to become a part of the community here with um, obviously his brewing company. He tried to establish a ball hockey rink here. He really embraced Las Vegas, but uh, he's he'll try, I think, to uh, get himself a couple booze at the very least. Um, But finally, we got to talk about the big reunion, too, that's coming up. And that's Saturday. Uh, marc Andre Fleury and the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, his first year in Chicago obviously has not gone as planned because they've already gotten rid of a coach and a GM, and are eleven points out of a playoff spot. Fleury personally, he's nine ten and two, nine eleven save percentage, two point nine one GAA, which um, all those numbers are technically better than Robin Leonard's. by comparison. Leonard has a nine o five save percentage and a three point o three GAA. Laurent Brossois is exactly at uh, 900 in terms of save percentage and he has a 2.78 gaa so flurry uh you know pretty much i think you could argue has probably outperformed any of the knights goaltenders so far this year but um i say all that to also just bring up i'm not super interested in relitigating kind of the trade yet because there's a lot of season left the knights despite actually you know i would say not getting Strong goaltending so far are obviously still performing very, very well. They're top of their division. Um, And we'll see if that goaltending ends up turning around. I certainly expect Robin Leonard to be better than he has been uh, once he gets back, just because the defense in front of him was very bad early on. Obviously, Fleury could say the same thing uh, this year in Chicago. Um, But I guess, Dave, where are you at with, you know, kind of the trade, how it went down this summer? I mean, is there. In your mind at this point, anything extra to say compared to when it happened or have your thoughts, I guess, changed at all based on how this season has unfolded so far?
1: No, not really. I mean, I think the the principal reasons that the Knights made the trade are still applicable and they, you know, are still valid. I don't think you can, you know, it's easy to look at, you know, look back with a little bit of, you know, revisionist history and say, oh, you know, I'll have worry this, that, you know, whatever. But like. No, they made their commitment. They signed Leonard. They they you know, they put the writing on the wall. Everybody saw this coming. Like it in that sense, you know, nothing's really changed. It just because, you know, Leonard has struggled a little bit, Brossois struggled a little bit. I mean, I mean, I guess maybe if if there's anything that, that's maybe I, I guess not changed, but but I'll say just, you know, looking at it, you know, through the scope of, you know, 35-ish games. Is just just you know that that save percentage and and stuff that you mentioned for Leonard and Broussois. And as a team, just the Knights goaltending hasn't been as good as it's been in the past. It definitely isn't where it was last year. So yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with the defense. And I think, and I wrote somebody on Twitter this yesterday. I, I felt like there was a handful of games early on that kind of skew. Robin Leonard's numbers, you know, that that first L.A. game when Stone gets hurt, Pacioretty's hurt, and they, like, you know, fall apart and he gives up – it was, like, five or six. I don't remember what it was. And then, you know, a couple four-goal games in there where they just didn't play well in front of them, Toronto, Carolina. So, like, you know, some of the numbers I feel like are, are a little bent in, in that regard just because, you know, a couple games threw it out of whack. But, but I do feel like just because we're kind of talking about this in, in a bigger context – You know, going forward, if the Knights are going to get to where they want to get to, you know, playoffs, Stanley Cup, all that sort of stuff, the the goaltending does need to improve.
0: Yeah, 100%. I don't, you know, I don't want to sit here and say, like, Leonard has been good, so the Knights shouldn't, you know, there should be questions about the trade or, you know, the move and how it was made or whatever. People can obviously still have those questions. But I think, as you said, the Knights made the move because they thought that having kind of a basically a little bit more than seven million dollar goaltending tandem with Leonard and Laurent Bressois was going to be better for them as a Stanley Cup contender than having twelve million dollars tied up in goaltending with Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard. And they were, I think, you know, philosophically willing to kind of deal with the uh, tradeoff in terms of we're going to downgrade a net, at least in the regular season, when we can play both guys in the hopes that we'll be able to kind of add depth up front forward-wise, and this will be better for us in the playoffs when we're usually only playing one goalie anyway. Is that how it's going to work out? I have no idea. It could go completely wrong, and they might look not smart for doing it, but that's the thing that we just won't know um, until the playoffs. So right now, obviously, there's still a long ways to go before we figure out whether they pulled the plug on Flurry too soon.
1: You know everything's going to be judged on the playoffs and the Stanley Cup, and if you know if they win it, it does. <laughs> they could have you know Darren Millard in goal for for all we know, and as long as they win the Stanley Cup, like that's all that matters. That's, that's all people you know should really care about. But what I think is interesting is is just you know, like I want to see the reaction on Saturday. I, I want to see you know the fans and and how they respond to. You know, maybe a big, uh, big save. Excuse me, that Flurry makes, or you know, a goal of the Blackhawks score, or you know, like here's the other thing too, like what happens if Leonard is ready by Saturday and comes back and he plays, and we've got Flurry versus Leonard, like we. There's another thing we've talked about, like there, the elephant in the room, whether we want to talk about, you know, acknowledge or like there are a section of this fan base that's still. Has it against Leonard. Uh, the, only, the only fault of his is that he's not number 29. His name is not Marc-Andre Fleury. And so, like, if those two are both on the ice, like there's gonna be this weird, you know, sort of pull, you know, for people. I like I could actually see people rooting against Leonard in that game, you know, is is crazy, or I'll even use the word sad as that would be. I I can see it so all this and and the way that it's going to you know trigger some people's emotions and you know all that from from the trade it's just like it's a very intriguing game there's a lot of layers to to what you know could and, and will happen out there.
0: Get all the Nevada Preps high school sports coverage you need plus all Southern Nevada team announcements powered by the Review Journal at NevadaPreps.com. Nevada Preps is sponsored by College Prospects of America, connecting student athletes with academic and athletic opportunities. Find out how at CPOA-Nevada.com. Yeah, like you, I'm fascinated just to kind of take in the atmosphere and kind of just gauge the, the temperature if we do end up getting that uh, flurry versus Leonard showdown because as you mentioned I mean there still is and like Leonard's called it on other podcasts before this kind of like cult of flower that exists uh, that is going to be behind Marc-Andre Fleury no matter what and that's a credit to Marc-Andre Fleury obviously just the uh, obviously phenomenal player that he is the kind of way he conducts himself um, on and off the ice I mean people just love him and like I said that's 100% a credit to him, but uh on the flip side, obviously, it doesn't mean that Robin Leonard is wrong or at fault for not being that. Robin Leonard is a very different person than Marc Andre Fleur. He's also a very different goaltender. Uh I think a lot of people, myself included, think that he's uh has an important voice and important role, both in terms of being a good, competent NHL goaltender and being a person who also has a strong off-ice presence that's really necessary in the NHL. But a lot of people just can't get over the fact that, as you said, he doesn't wear number 29. He's not Marc-Andre Fleury. And so, I don't know. It'll be fascinating. It'll be interesting. It's – I think, you know, we've talked about this before. It seemed that the temperature in the Knights fan base had died down quite a bit from the anger that seemed to be there at the beginning of the year over the Marc-Andre Fleury trade, how it was reportedly handled by the Knights. Obviously, you wrote a big story at the beginning of the year. There just seemed to be a lot of um, distrust with the front office based on how they went about handling some of the um, kind of favored sons of the team, especially this past offseason, but even dating back to previous offseasons with Schmidt and how he was traded. It seemed like we talked about recently, Like it seemed like the fan base had kind of got at least – past it a little bit but just because the team was winning again, they're first in the Pacific Division, they were overcoming all these kind of injuries and other absences. And so um it did feel like the temperature was being turned down. I'm curious what yeah your thoughts, Dave, about whether having Mark Randre Flurry back in the building might all of a sudden turn it way back up
1: again. Yeah, I do. I, I think it's gonna I think it's gonna bring out, you know, a lot of different people that that wanna see just that game and are there just for Flurry. Um, like I said, I mean, I, I don't know if there's going to be a flurry chant after a save. Um, I mean, there there could be any number of reactions. It, it'll it'll be fascinating to see. Uh, but I definitely think of of all the games this week. You know, it's it's fitting that that's sort of the culmination uh, because I think it's sort of this, you know, kind of slow build. You know, we got Nate Schmidt and Paul Stasny. We're gonna get Ryan Reeves draw Glant tonight as we're recording this and then obviously like the big one, you know, at the end. So I, yeah, I do. I think there's going to be sort of this explosion of emotion. I think people have been, you know, waiting. They've, they sort of had it pent up for, you know, the last handful of months or so. And, you know, this is their, this is their one chance to to let it out. And I think we'll see it.
0: Yeah. I'm very uh, excited to uh, see how it all plays out on Saturday, but we still got a couple days until that's happened. Uh, but let's stay in net uh, for right now and talk about another goaltending storyline for the Golden Knights. And that's the fact that Logan Thompson made his first NHL start uh, on Tuesday against the Nashville Predators. He did lose that game 3-2. Uh, to two. Uh, Thompson, for those who don't know, were unaware, uh, played for Kelly McCrimmon's Brandon Wheat Kings, went undrafted, started the Knights' first ever rookie camp game. Wasn't signed. Uh, played Canadian college hockey instead, which of course is not the uh, rich pipeline to the NHL that a lot of other avenues are for guys. And of course, he kind of then from there wedged his way into professional hockey. Got a call from the Knights right when they were conducting their bubble camp before going to Edmonton for the playoffs. That hey, do you want to come down? You know, be part of the. Team. So he drove all the way from Brandon to Las Vegas to participate in that camp. Uh, obviously, ended up being named the American Hockey League's goalie of the year last year with the Silver Knights. was off to another strong start this year as the organization's kind of number three goalie. And because Leonard is currently hurt, Laurent Bersois is currently hurt. He was the next man up for Tuesday against the Predators. Uh, he made his NHL debut last year in relief of Marc Andre Fleury. He was the first U Sports goalie to appear in an NHL game since 1994 uh, when that happened. Um, I know it was kind of, you know, f- cool, at least for me to see a guy like that, get that kind of opportunity. Uh, Dave, what was it like for you to kind of witness Thompson kind of have his moment, for lack of a better word?
1: Okay. So I'm going to, I want to say a couple things about this because I had a, I actually had a conversation with my dad about this and like the more and more I, I thought about it. The more, the more and more I guess maybe strongly I feel about this, and the more and more fascinated I am to see, sort of how this plays out. So, so there's a couple things. First off, one. Let me go back because, as you mentioned, I find it just like amazing. I don't, I don't know what the right adjective is that that he literally was in Golden Knights camp to start with. They could have signed him, and Kelly McCrimmon of all people would have known what Logan Thompson can do. And the Knights basically said, thanks, but no thanks. And then, like you said, he goes to college and then he gets signed. And then like all of a sudden something happened. And I would really like to know, I know he's been asked directly, like what was the change? Like what happened? Why did you take this jump? And, you know, he gives kind of the, the typical hockey answer and he hasn't really like delved into maybe some of the, You know, mechanics or technique, or if there was adjustments or changes or anything like that. But I I I marvel at how somebody in basically two or three years can go from not good enough to even just get a a basic entry level, you know, go play in the minors type contract to what I want to talk about next. And that is like where he's at. So last year I was very skeptical of. And being the AHL goaltender of the year and everybody, you know, Oh, let him take over. He's ready. You know, it's like he played five teams. He played like 30 games against, you know, one division in the AHL. Like let's pump the brakes. Let's slow down. Let's, you know, let him develop and, and see where he's at. So here's where I'm at with this right now after watching him. And there was a comment that William Carlson made after the game that I think sums up everything about a goaltender. And basically what William Carlson said was he judges goaltenders by the calmness that they instill in the rest of the team. And what he means by that is when you've got somebody back there who's flopping around and you don't know if he's going to make a save. And every time somebody comes down on the wing or winds up to take a shot, the entire team and the entire bench is holding its breath because it doesn't know whether that puck is going to go in. I think back to a game last year against San Jose and Oscar Dansk was in there and every time the puck was shot at him, it was an adventure. And if you remember at the end of the game, he basically E6, the ground ball and let it get through him. Shark scored and it went to overtime. The Knights were able to win it. But like he didn't instill any confidence in anybody back there that he had it under control. Logan Thompson at no point seemed like he was over his skis or the moment was too big for him or anything like that. He got beat by two spectacular shots by Philip Forsberg and deflection. Like, not his fault at all. He played extraordinarily well. If the Knights had woken up the first 40 minutes of that game, maybe it was a different result because he certainly played well enough to win. Where I'm going with all of this is we'll see what happens here in the next few months I don't know what he's going to do in the AHL, but based off 60 minutes, based off that game, if I was the Knights, I would be looking ahead, not so much this year, but I would be looking ahead at Laurent Brossois making 2.3 plus million dollars as a backup and say, "Give me Logan Thompson as the backup for, you know, half that or whatever he's going to sign for as According to cap friendly, he's a restricted free agent right now with arbitration rights. Like I, I I know it's a one game and I know how skeptical I was before. And I don't want to like be completely hypocritical at this point, but like after watching that game, after, you know, hearing what William Carlson and some of the other players said about him, like, I'm sorry, make him the backup next year. Like he he's ready. You save money like they they hit a home run with this kid it seems like i i don't know how i don't know why i know i'm giving a really long rambling answer but right now it seems like he should be their backup for next year and and that could solve you know a little bit tiny bit you know of some of the financial stuff they'll face yeah it'll be really interesting to see you know how they decide to play that out because as you mentioned he's
0: got he's a restricted free agent with arbitration rights this upcoming offseason that likely means he will, you know, end up signing a contract that will require waivers to get him back to the minors. So if um, they sign him and then, for example, you know, try to keep Laurent Bressois and then s- try to pass Logan Thompson back down to Henderson um, so that they can keep him as their number three goalie, I would imagine that, you know, he's going to get a look somewhere else based on the fact that he's been so good in the AHL the last two years and obviously now he has some what of an nhl track record we'll see how much of an opportunity he gets to build on that moving forward but i think it was probably good for the knights to get the chance to evaluate him um in an nhl setting um what i will say and um if people haven't checked this out i wrote a big feature on logan thompson around thanksgiving this year that uh you guys should be able to find um What everyone talks about with Logan Thompson, what everyone, everyone, everyone you talk to um, brings up, is just how competitive he is. Uh, You know, I talked to his college coach last year when it looked like he actually might be getting uh, a start because I think uh, Leonard was hurt and there was a chance that, or I think the Knights had a back-to-back coming up. They did end up going with Marc Andre Fleury for both games, but I had a story ready just in case. And his coach is just like every single drill like this guy just refused to lose like this guy hates having pucks go in his net even in practice um and there was a practice even just a couple days ago where like you could tell he and Jonathan Marchessault were like going at it Where Marchessault was like every time Thompson was giving up like a rebound and like a you know two on one drill or whatever he's trying to pounce and Thompson is like trying to like flop himself across his crease to make sure he makes that save and there was I mean, an incredible save he made in practice the other day on, I believe it was a Michael Matty at one time, or that I just didn't know he had that save in his bag. Cause he got all the way across, but um, that's what people bring up with Logan Thompson is like, that's what he will do. Like he will not give up on a play. He will not give up on a save. And obviously that's a quality that he's had to have kind of in his off the ice kind of um, attitude as well, just because there's been a lot of times in his career that he, Could have quit and he could have said, You know what? I just don't think this is going to happen for me. And obviously, good for him for not doing that because now he's going to have, you know, a hockey reference page for the rest of his life. And we'll see how much he gets to uh, add to it moving forward. I don't know. I'm really interested uh, to see. Oh, I guess how much he gets to add to it. We can transition will be based on all the injuries the Knights have. Um, As I said, Leonard has a lower body injury. He suffered against the New York Islanders, he did participate in the night's last uh, two skates. So we'll see if he is getting closer to returning. He could possibly even return. So tonight against the New York Rangers. We don't know yet. We're recording this before the night's morning skate. Uh, Mark Stone has also participated in the night's last two practices. In the last one, he was in a you know full contact jersey. So he's probably getting pretty close to coming back. Uh, also, big sign, and a lot of people have been asking this, about this for a very long time. Uh, Alec Martinez back at uh practice. He participated at Tuesday's morning skate in a non-contact jersey. Uh so that's an excellent sign for his recovery because he hasn't uh played since I believe November eleventh when he took that skate to the face from Minnesota's Brandon Duhame. Um also uh Nick Haig, he has a wrist injury that I had to be cautious with. So um saw him at City National Arena the other day. So he's just you know recovering. They're trying to make sure that that injury is calmed down enough where he's not at a risk for re-aggravating it because they did bring him back for the game in Los Angeles after the holiday break and he seemed to kind of, you know, make it a little bit worse. So they're trying to really be careful with him. Uh, Jack Eichel is expected to come to town later this month to continue his rehab. Uh, and finally, uh, we last recorded when Max Pacioretty was first announced he had wrist surgery. We didn't really have a firm update at that time yet. Uh, now, what we've gotten from Pete DeBoer is Pacioretty is expected to be out, quote, long term. And then DeBoer also said, which I thought was interesting, uh, we don't expect Pacioretty, you know, to kind of to be with us for at least a month, uh, which obviously implies, at least to me, that there's a chance that after a month, Max Pacioretty could be back, which would put his return some point, you know, potentially, like I said, this is still somewhat speculative, but in in February which obviously means he would be back well before the end of the regular season, which is, uh, you know what the Knights would need for kind of him going on LTIR to have an impact on their salary cap. They would need him to miss the rest of the regular season for him to kind of be a get out of jail free card for kind of the looming cap crunch. They're facing whenever they need to activate Jack Eichel, uh, the initial comments, like I said, for Pete DeBoer imply that, the patch ready lever is not one that the Knights are potentially going to be able to pull to get out of their, their cap crunch. Um, I mean, is that a fair interpretation, Dave, or what did you make of uh, what Pete DeBoer had to say?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think based on what he said, that that's probably about the best interpretation we can go on. I mean, you know, I said what I said last time about indefinitely, and it, it felt like a little bit of an out the Knights were giving themselves to to maybe have you know some different options depending on the timeline depending on you know Jack Eichel's recovery depending on any number of of other factors that might pop up at that point in the season but yeah now that now that it's a little bit more you know narrowed down a little bit more specific um I think that's probably about the way I would look at it I want to throw something out there though, really quick, because I saw this, I don't remember where. It may have been the fourth period or, or something, but you know, it was a very interesting suggestion for the one of the ways that the Knights can solve their uh salary cap issue with Jack Eichel. And basically it was to take on another long term injury contract, basically trade for say, I think the name that that was thrown out there was like Ryan Kessler. Um, I don't know how much money he makes. I don't know how much that would solve the problem off top of my head, but that's an interesting suggestion or potential solution for the Knights. You know, you think about, you know, if, if somebody's not really understanding what I mean, like, you know, the Knights, if you think back to the expansion year, they had a contract, you know, David Clarkson, who was essentially retired, but they stashed it on long-term IR and it was, was one of the reasons that they were able to have some more flexibility and do some different things. So, like we're talking about all these different solutions, all these different ways, and people are speculating. Oh, they've got to trade Riley Smith, or they've got to trade Dodonov, and whatever. You know, like, well, there's a lot of different creative ways that the Golden Knights can can do this. And you know, if they take on somebody else's big, fat, long-term IR contract, and they're able to insert Jack Eichel into a lineup with the top six intact. Because they didn't have to trade anybody to get him in there, like, woo, wee boy, give Andrew Laguerner and you know the salary cap folks some some raises if they're able to pull that off. But you know, again, what we'll see. Uh, you know, the Knights have proven that they're creative when it comes to this stuff. And Kelly McCrimmon's stock answer is always, "We'll be cap compliant when the time comes." So I have no doubt that they'll figure it out, whether it's you know something with Patcheri or something with somebody else. Yeah, for those that are just uh, curious, Ryan Kessler, he makes uh,
0: approximately like $6.9 million against the um, cap this year. He's in the last year of his contract. So yeah, like the Knights could absorb that, put that on LTIR, get some extra flexibility. We've seen other teams do this. For instance, um, the Tampa Bay Lightning have uh, Brent Seabrook's contract, who's a guy, he's a defenseman played for the Chicago Blackhawks for a long time, was part of their cup-winning teams. Um, He's, yeah, retired, essentially, Brent Seabrook, but he's got three years left on his contract, and so the Lightning have it, put it on LTIR, and that basically gives them some extra flexibility uh, these next three years. Now, for those that are always curious about this, there is, like, some downsides to LTIR. Um, The Knights, for example, in year three, played the whole um, paper transaction game where they kept you know, sending down guys like Nick Waugh and Nick Haig on off days to kind of accumulate extra cap space because the cap is actually counted daily. So if, you know, on a day you're not practicing, if you send a couple guys to the minors and have a lower cap hit, it actually does save you money kind of over the course of the year. Uh, you can't do that with LCIR, but the Knights obviously, because they've been in LCIR all season, aren't going to accumulate cap space anyway. And if you get a guy like, uh, you know, Kessler's contract. It's only for the rest of this season anyway, so it leaves open the possibility that you could uh, you know, still play that paper transaction, you know, gaining extra cap space daily game moving forward. Uh, you know, who's to say? We we obviously still don't know what they're gonna end up doing whenever Eichel is ready to go. They've had a lot of time to kind of plan it out, and I'm sure they've been going through multiple scenarios the last couple months, ever since they traded for Eichel of how they're gonna make this work and We'll see what they end up doing. But uh, it's going to, as per usual, be a fascinating couple months with that. It's going to be a fascinating next couple days in Golden Knights land as they welcome back some very familiar faces. And uh, it will be very interesting to see what the uh, atmosphere and the reception is like. Uh, But that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge Podcast. As a reminder, we are brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com we are presented by blue wire uh, happy new year everyone hope everyone's enjoying uh, watching some hockey and enjoying what 2022 has in store so far uh, i'm ben go is dave shane we are the golden age podcast we'll talk to you guys again real soon Get all the Nevada Preps high school sports coverage you need, plus all Southern Nevada team announcements powered by the Review Journal at nevadapreps.com. Nevada Preps is sponsored by College Prospects of America, connecting student-athletes with academic and athletic opportunities. Find out how at cpoa-nevada.com.